everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, today is the... This is the second, it's the third Thursday of the month, which means it's time for Vegan Doc Talk with Dr. Scott Harrington. And today he's going to talk about vegan weight loss. I wonder what he's talking about this in December, though. We'll find out. Please welcome him to the show. Isn't this like more of a January topic? It sure is. It sure is. Of course, you know, I, I've, uh, I'm going to be talking about that. So uh, strap in, strap on your seatbelts. So yeah. let's do it. Because do you really think realistically that anybody's going to be thinking about going on any kind of a like weight reducing program right now, like just a couple of weeks before Christmas and New Year's? They want to get the last hurrah in, don't they? That's true. I know. I know. But, uh, you know, New Year's is uh, is right around the corner. It's December now, but January's coming. I know it'll be here so soon. What are you going to do for the holidays? Do you do anything special? We have a secret Santa because my wife has a, a big family that, uh, so uh, it's like too many people for everybody to buy uh, everybody presents. So we have a big secret Santa and we all get around and we, you know, they, we, the names get swapped. And uh, so it's fun. So it's always fun. And we try to guess who's got each person and it's a great time. I love that. I, well, I always thought secret Santa was where everybody brings a gift they don't want. And then you, you, you know, you steal from each other. Maybe that's well, called something else. We have that too. I think that's called a white elephant. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, last year I bedazzled a plunger. And so uh, that's what you got for your uh, white elephant. That's present. really cool. Do you still have it? I'd love to see how to do that. Well, you know, I hot glued a bunch of, you know, sequins and stuff all over your bedazzled plunger. You know, it's if, if uh, you know. You want to have a good time while, uh, you know, at, at a bad moment, you know. That is such a great <laughs> idea. I That is a great idea. Be dazzling a plunger. Maybe that'll be your new business. <laughs> I, I like doing crazy creative stuff. I know? love it. I love it. So vegan weight loss, is that different than any other kind of weight loss? Well, there should be, it should be the only type of weight loss plan that you're on because the, the vegan diet is the most successful in history uh, way to lose weight and it's the most healthiest way to lose weight. So, uh, you know, hopefully I can give you some evidence on that today. So get people clear that that's definitely the way to go. Perfect. I misspoke. This is actually the second Thursday of the month. You think I would get my dates straight, but yes. Well, thanks. I can't wait to see what you have to say. All right. Okay. Well, let's, I'm going to share my screen and let's see here. Of course, uh, Chef AJ, I want to get your feedback. Can you see it? Is it is it is it rolling? Yes, it's perfect now. All right. Hey, for for those who don't know me, I'm Dr. Scott Harrington. I run a uh, both a telemedicine and in person practice, uh, vegan primary care to serve vegans and plant based folks uh, throughout the country. Uh, you can see me online. I am in lots of different states. Currently, twenty two states. And um, so if you're in one of these states, you can see me for your primary care doctor. I can order labs and referrals and imaging, and I can be your plant-based advocate. Uh, and if you're in Florida, it's nice that you can see me in Pinellas Park in person, in the flesh. So I accept insurance and I accept cash as well. Uh, so Aetna, Sigma, TRICARE, and Medicare. So uh, come out and see me and uh, go to veganprimarycare.com, make an appointment. All right, so today we're talking about vegan weight loss. So I have a story about this because uh, as a plant-based doctor, a lot of people come to me for, for weight loss and a lot of people know what to do. I mean, there's lots of vegan influencers and they've, you know, they've seen the evidence, they know that the plant-based diet is the way to go and they've tried it and they may have even had some uh, success but then they start backsliding. They have problems. It can, um, and, and, uh, you know, I'll meet with folks, but sometimes unless they meet me with me really regularly, they can have backsliding and, and, uh, ha have trouble. So I sometimes use the analogy of eating soup with a fork, uh, or with a knife or something where it's just, things are kind of slipping through, uh, and, and weight loss can be that type of problem. So uh, I wanted to talk about it today and, I also wanted to once again highlight something that I'm doing in January. It's my six-week health transformation 
This is a vegan weight loss program. If people are feeling isolated, maybe they don't have other plant-based folks in their family or friends, maybe they've tried to lose weight and they're just falling off the wagon, it can feel like it's me against the world. Uh, patients struggle to do the right thing. So what I've created to kind of solve this problem is a highly engaging six-week program where you, where you have check-ins with me daily and I can be your vegan cheerleader for six weeks. So uh, we can meet daily and you'll also get extra education from various health coaches like a fitness coach, a chef that'll show you food demos, stress management. Uh, and then we're going to be doing things like glucose monitoring. So you can be doing food logs plus these glucose monitoring, really keeping you on track and one-to-one -one appointments with me as well. So come out. Uh, you can get it. It's not paid for by insurance and you don't have to be in a state that uh, I have. I have 22 states now, but because it's a coaching program and not a medical program, you don't, I'm not going to prescribe anything to you. It's all going to be skills, not pills and a plant-based diet. So uh, you can come out, you can, you can purchase it for uh, someone else, someone in your family as a gift, uh, but it, it'd be a great present come out, learn about this. But what we're going to go about over today on vegan weight loss is all the science behind this. And uh, if you don't get it from me, get it from somebody else. Because what in, is involved in an optimal weight loss program? Well, as we were talking about Chef AJ, it's about eating plants, not animals. And this is good not only for you, but also for the sake of the animals and the planet because uh, you want your diet, that's an ethical diet. Uh, you want your diet to, to be sustainable, something that feels good, makes you feel full and satisfied, bulky. You want it to be whole and not with processed foods. You don't want to be buying like, you know, shakes and packaged foods to, you know, be trapped into their uh, various packaged food plans. You want to have high fiber, high nutrients, and on and on. There's actually a lot we can talk about it, and I can't cover everything today. But let's get into some science. First off, what's the deal with animal products and weight? Well, just the just animal products in themselves, when studied and correlated with weight, the more animal products that you eat in your diet, the more you gain weight, the more weight that you have on your body. And it's it's what they call dose-dependent. So the more, the heavier, and it's correlated with abdominal obesity, not the good kind of weight. You know, you want your weight to be in your muscle, not in your abdominal obesity. That's inflammatory uh, associated with things like heart disease and, and diabetes. Uh, the more animal products you eat, it crowds out the plant foods, which are high in nutrients and have uh, phytochemicals and, you know, vitamins and minerals where animal products tend to be low in that. And another thing that is actually associated with weight, also with inflammation, is TMAO, trimethylamine oxide, which is uh, produced from by the liver from trimethylamine that's produced in your gut from digesting the animal products of the choline, choline, which is a lot in eggs, and bad gut bacteria that you get from eating an animal-based diet turn this into trimethylamine, inflammatory and associated with weight. In fact, animal foods are associated with weight. The odds of obesity goes up 18% for every 1% of calories from meat. I mean, that is just, that just blows my mind. Holy cow. So stay away, stay away from animal products. If you, if you, I mean, you're, you're obviously, if you're here with Chef AJ, you know that, uh, we don't recommend animal products, but that is, that is why just to kind of Sometimes people may be asking questions and you can let them know. One study that really showed this dramatically in a dose-dependent fashion is the Adventist Health Study 2. They followed 96,000 people and they broke them down into uh, categories of people uh, of the various diets, the, the omnivores, the people who didn't eat red meat, the semi-vegetarian, semi pescatarian, lacto and vegan. And they found that the less animal products that they ate, they had better health outcomes, less weight, diabetes and blood pressure. So 
In this graph, I wanted to explain this graph because you can see here BMI, and that's basically weight, uh, weight per height. And so as the number goes lower, under BMI 25 is considered normal weight. And so the vegans were the only normal weight group in here, but you can see they are heavier the more animal products that they ate. Uh, and then blood pressure and diabetes. A one in this, uh, in this uh, graph is how you compare the, the people. So compared to omnivores, uh, vegans had 25, I mean, they were 75% uh, protected from having elevated blood pressure compared. So only uh, 25% uh, had that. And so same in almost a fifth of were had diabetes. So highly protected for other things, but weight, importantly, today we're talking about weight. You want to have a diet that's sustainable and a plant-based diet is sustainable. So this was actually in my case, um, I had, uh, I had tried to lose weight on a standard American sort of high protein diet and tried to do portion control, uh, way back in 2011 and I failed to lose weight. I, I felt like I, I was starving myself with these small portions. It doesn't feel, you don't feel like you can fill yourself up. So, but when you eat a plant-based diet, you can basically eat more food and you eat less calories. So that is sustainable. And that is the magic of calorie density. So here's 200 calories when you compare a honeydew melon versus a little slice of cheese. So what's gonna fill you up more, right? Well, here are some factors with the calorie density. How much food actually can we fit in our stomach? Well, scientists put tubes down people's stomachs in a balloon and filled it up. And when they filled it up, they asked the, the participants of the study to tell them when they were 10 out of 10 full, where they just couldn't take it anymore. And they found out that the capacity of their stomachs were about eight to 800 to 1,000 milliliters, which is about four cups about four cups. So if you take four cups and you look at various foods and you can see how many calories those four cups of one stomach's worth of food would be. And so you have all the way down here at like bell peppers. I, did, I didn't put in um, kale and arugula and these kind of things because of volume, the cups volume was kind of weird, but um, you can clearly chop up bell peppers and uh, green beans and you can get a good reading here. Um, but uh, so the, these really low calories per full uh, stomach full of food, four cups. So 184 calories for strawberries and watermelon. Uh, you start to get more calorie dense as you go up, potatoes, beans. But you, as you see meat, uh, over a thousand calories per four cups and then all the way up. And then I took this one off the charts because uh, the other, the other chart was making the other chart too small, but you see oil all the way over there in the end that uh, 7,696 calories for four cups. Well, um, just to drive this home even farther, this is 10 stomachfuls of strawberries for a total of 2,000 calories versus cheese, uh, one stomachful of cheese. So that's ridiculous. Um, they did a study to try to see how much actual weight uh, someone would eat. And so they gave people uh, as much food as they wanted to eat and they would measure the food going in. And in this study, it made it to about three pounds per day of food. It was 5.7 with uh, when they added the liquids. And it's true, there's other studies where you see that uh, people were able to fill their stomachs even more with up to six or seven pounds. But in this study, three pounds, about three pounds of food. So why am I mentioning that? That uh, this is straight off of Chef AJ's uh, secret of ultimate weight loss. Right off the back, there's uh, her calorie density chart, uh, Chef AJ. Uh, and uh, you recommend eating under uh, six, 600 calories per pound or less. Because if you fill up your stomach for three times per day with uh, one pound, three times a day is three pounds of food, that that's only 800, 1800 calories, even if you're eating the beans, the highest calorie density here in, on, on this chart for um, staying under 600. So uh, if you imagine you fill up your stomach with potatoes and fruits and vegetables, that you're gonna be much under this and it's much easier to lose weight. So you guys have seen this chart before. 
Uh, I think even in the movie Forks Over Knives, they have this chart where it's 500 calories. What does it look like in your stomach? Fruits and vegetables really fill you up. Uh, but oil, on the other hand, you're not going to feel full with the oil. And, and so it's going to take up so much more calories and it's going to be hard to lose weight. So, so that's calorie density and why you shouldn't eat animal products. But now let's talk briefly about uh, processed foods. Now we've talked about this. We've talked about how addictive processed foods are and uh, how bad they are for you because they're low in fiber. But there's also sort of this concern that the fact that the nutrients have been stripped out of them, that there might be sort of this aspect of your body still feeling hungry because you're not getting all the nutrients, that might be unsatisfied, having empty calories. So for instance, I, this is straight off of chronometer where you have 100 calories of corn versus tortilla chips, corn chips. And you can see that uh, there's much more fat, 4.4 grams of fat in the chips. There's much less fiber, 2.5 grams versus 1.4. Look at the vitamin C. It's been totally stripped out. Magnesium is almost 100% gone. And look, it's 83 times saltier than the corn, the corn chips are. So way less nutrients, way more problematic. Just taking a head-to-head -head look. Did you know? that the plant-based diet boosts your metabolism, that you can burn fat even while you're asleep. So uh, long-time vegans have 11% higher resting metabolic rate. And uh, so they, they just burn more calories just naturally, naturally uh, living. Okay, these two slides have some kind of black and white, um, black and white uh, graphs, but this study here, this is another kind of like a metabolism type, uh, type study. Um, they exercised people after eating breakfast. They had a, um, on the top, the top, the little, the top of the graph is the folks who fasted for breakfast, they didn't eat breakfast. The middle of the graph are folks who had more of a high fiber breakfast of fruit and all brand cereal. Uh, and then the low group there is the folks that had a low fiber breakfast where it was cornflakes and jam and uh, white toast. So the high fiber breakfast, they burned more calories when three hours later they exercised. So clearly the uh, the folks who fasted had the most law of calories that were burned from fat. But uh, it is interesting that the high fiber group uh, burned more, had more fat oxidation. So just eating fiber helps you uh, when your body has to, has to burn uh, calories, it's gonna get more calories from fat. Okay, here is, eating uh, a breakfast that is high in fiber, later on when the subjects were tested at an all-you-can-eat buffet, they ate 100 less calories if they had a high fiber breakfast. So whether it's keeping them full or they just don't, don't feel as hungry, uh, those are other huge, huge um, proven tips that uh, the reason why plant-based diet is so important. So there's actually lots and lots and lots of other tips you got to hand it to Dr. Greger and his How Not to Diet book. There is over is close to 5,000 uh, references. And so, I mean, it goes on and on, but some of the highlights are how green foods, greens have uh, compounds in them, uh, thalicoids that uh, make you feel full, the appetite control. Uh, there's, there's concepts of preloading calories, a diet where you preload calories, whether you're sequencing your low calorie foods, like uh, Chef AJ, I believe you talked about sequencing where you where you eat like your veggies first, your non-starchy vegetables first, and then your more calorie dense foods uh, later. Or pre-eating, uh, pre-drinking a big thing of water before, making sure you're having low addictive foods like low in salt, oil, and sugar. Timing, timing, a big, big uh, new... Um, information that's out about weight loss is about how our circadian rhythms affect us and how 100 calories in the morning is way less fattening than 100 calories at night. So I say when the lights go out, when it when it's dark, it's just herbal tea. That's what I recommend, zero cows. So I could actually go on and on about uh, these various science-based tips regarding weight loss, but I would be remiss Unless I mentioned the number one most successful weight loss 
study in history was the broad study completed in New Zealand where they had uh, two groups and one group was on a, a plant-based diet and they had they were not counting their calories. They were just being put on a plant-based diet and told to do a traffic light system where, uh, and we'll go over that. They recommended avoiding nuts and avocados because they were high in fat and they were trying to lose weight. And they followed them. They followed them directly for 12 weeks. And um, at, so at 12 weeks, they hadn't lost 19 pounds, which is dramatic, dramatic weight loss. Then following them up at uh, six months and 12 months, they had lost 27 pounds and they basically kept it off. So at 12 months, they were 25 pounds. So that is dramatic improvement. And, and basically this, this broad study has given us a blueprint for how to run the six-week health transformation. And so uh, these the I'm going to go over the broad study. I'm going to talk about all the, the things that were part of the broad study and uh, so that you can know and know that this is the blueprint for the six-week health transformation. So what were some of the factors in this study that helped people lose weight? I call them the change factors. You know, you're making a behavioral change. So uh, change, so the C stands for consistency. Whenever you're trying to make a behavioral change, you wanna form a habit, you wanna keep it going and, and, and keep doing it and so that you don't get off track. You wanna have help. I mean, it starts, starts to feel like, especially in the plant-based diet, if you don't have a lot of people around you, it's nice to have social support. It's nice to have tips and tricks on how to bring your family in and help you and get give you some social support and encouragement. Uh, accountability, uh, this is an important part of weight loss, self-monitoring. Um, having a plan, a goal and a plan, so this is called the navigation portion. Personalized guidance. Uh, and education, education and skills, cooking demos, stuff like this. This is big for confidence because people who don't feel confident to change generally won't change. So this is very important. Okay, so to briefly go over the change factors. So consistency in the broad study, they did a 12-week plan. My plan is going to be six weeks, but they met twice a week and I will be meeting with the participants every day. So to establish the green routine, that's what I call it, the green routine. Uh, in the broad study, they had support. Uh, they had encouragement. They, they, the group, the participants met together and they would have meetups and group discussions and it was, it was a positive environment. They were supporting each other. Uh, in our group, we'll have the daily check-ins and then we also have a forum where people can ask each other questions and support each other. Uh, broad study had an accountability. They did an accountability through a three-day food recall. Three-day food recall. And I don't know about you, but uh, I don't know how successful this must have been, but, you know, because I can't, I can barely remember what I did yesterday sometimes with, with the food intake. Um, but uh, in, in, uh, in our plan, we're going to have a daily food log where you just go over what you, what you ate as well. Step-by-step. Um, a uh, navigation plan, basically. Uh, the broad study used the traffic light system. Now, Dr. McDougall's got a traffic light system, and uh, but theirs was a slightly more robust, slightly more robust in the fact that um, they, in the orange and red, the red, they had recommended no nuts and uh, nuts, nut butters, and avocado and coconut, coconut oil, coconut milk. And so uh, in their food log, they basically had people count how many times they had eaten foods that were in the yellow, and I mean, so orange and the red. So, but um, in, in, a, in a traffic light system, uh, the low calorie density fruit and vegetables are, are, are free. Like you can eat pretty much as till you're full, till you're full with these foods. And so you want to be sparing with salt oil and or salt and sugar, because it can make you overeat. And uh, some of the high calorie uh, healthy foods like tofu, tofu and tempeh. And um, they in this study, they were worried a little bit about caffeine and definitely about alcohol because, you know, lowering your inhibitions and kind of forgetting that you're on a weight loss program, honestly. Okay. The broad study, uh, what, what about the guidance? What did they do? Well, this is where you have uh, people that are starting to fall off uh, the bandwagon and helping them relapse prevention and help them get back on, get back on board. Uh, and 
giving people tips on what to do about difficult situations. So this is like when you're at a restaurant or if you have a family member that's confronting you about being on a plant-based diet or what do you do when you're traveling and these kind of things. Labeling saboteurs. So getting some guidance from experts who've been there and done that, that's very important. So lastly, about the broad study, we talk about education uh, to build confidence in your skills. So I, the cool thing about this blueprint, the broad study had actually gave a, a topic on every single thing that they educated their patients about. And I'm gonna go through that with you. Uh, and so we'll go through and know exactly what was studied, but we're talking about um, teaching the foundations of the plant-based diet, getting cooking demos and practical tips on, on how to prepare and, and stay, uh, stay uh, meal prepped and social tips like we talked about. Okay, so the next, the next four slides are the educational classes and the actual cooking demos that were done. So uh, I'm not gonna go over each one of these, but you can see that it was pretty robust. Over 12 weeks, th these were the topics. So notice, notice, look who is uh, in, in the uh, educational program. Notice that uh, Dr. Lyle talked about social support. Uh, notice that they gave out the Start Solution book by uh, Dr. McDougall. Uh, notice they had a Jeff Novick uh, discussion about uh, calorie density and baking substitutions. And they had a uh, Dr. Barnard talk and a Dr. Ornish talk. So really interesting. So those are those are the the classes. These are these are practical tips that can keep you and the foundational tips about plant based diet. Uh, and Food demos, very important, the food demos, because you want to see yourself actually doing it and seeing how um, to make it easy and meal prep tips that that uh, can can set you off for a, um, you don't want to feel overwhelmed and seeing somebody else do it, it uh, makes it uh, a lot easier for you. So and this is not rocket science, really, though. I mean, going through learning uh, the oil-free hummus, uh, the frozen banana and ice cream, which is a great substitution. Uh, talking about acceptable packaged foods, oil approach, oil-free uh, dips and oil-free like dressings for your salad, vegan baking substitutions. And uh, there were some things in New Zealand they were called like sweet breads is what they called it. So I, I wasn't sure exactly what that was, but uh, then they talk about, you know, the big pot meals, veggie burgers and uh, salads in a jar. So kind of like meal prep salads. Okay, so these were the things that were in the broad study. And once again, the broad study is the blueprint for the six week health transformation, which I'm gonna be running in January, where uh, you can meet with me. We're going to have these uh, fitness experts, a cooking demo experts, glucose monitoring, uh, I will be going through those same change, behavioral change tips with uh, consistency. We'll have people are checking in daily. Uh, we'll have the forums for the uh, support, social support, and people being able to, to meet with each other and talk. Um, we're going to be doing food logs, not only as a log, but also with a glucose monitor. So you can see how you react to, say, oatmeal versus, you know, rolled oats versus steel cut oats versus oat groats. How, is, how does that affect your blood sugar? How does stress affect your blood sugar? How do beans and greens, the ultimate, uh, ultimate blood sugar uh, uh, moderator, how do they affect your uh, blood sugar? So we're going to use a traffic light diet in the same way that the broad study did. Um, we'll have one-to-one -one visits with me as well. So appointments, uh, coaching appointments just to kind of help get you back on track if you're if you're having trouble. And then as we talked about the food experts. So uh, like so the experts that we're going to have, uh, we've got two experts that have signed up already. We've got Angela Faschetti. She is great. You've seen her on Chef AJ before. She she gives great uh, fitness classes. She does yoga and she helps people over 40 with exercise. Uh, she has reversed her osteoporosis and, uh, you know, it just, she sets apart, she's set apart, she's plant-based. So um, she's very inspirational, very energetic. Um, also, we've got Vicki Brett-Gock, 
Uh, she is just a powerhouse in the plant-based community. She's got a cookbook, the Plant-Based for Life cookbook. Um, she's got lots of plant-based certifications uh, in, from Cornell University. And she's even got culinary coaching from Harvard Medical School and the Institute of Lifestyle Medicine. So she is packing the power. Uh, she's gonna bring a lot of these awesome practical vegan cooking demos to bear on our program. So if you don't get it from me as a vegan doctor, get it from someone else. I really wish you luck in the coming year, January. Get started today, get help losing weight. Get a doctor who gets you. And uh, anyway, I'm Dr. Scott Harrington, and I'm ready to answer any kind of questions that you have about the vegan diet and vegan weight loss. All right. Well, you know, they don't always know what the topic is in advance, so they send in questions as, for you as a doctor, so they're not all on weight loss. I don't know if that's okay or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. Of course. Thank you. Well, the first question is about the program, and somebody is asking how many people will be in the program? We're capping it at 10 people. We're capping it at 10. This is the first, this is the, the maiden voyage, maiden voyage. So uh, cap, I want people to feel like they're getting lots of personal time. And so that's that's really important for me. If we find that uh, we can handle more, then that's what we'll do. Sounds great. Thank you. So the first question is not on weight loss. It's from Anne. And she said, uh, it's about uh, a friend of hers takes blood thinners for a genetic blood clotting disorder and arrhythmias. He was told to avoid green leafy vegetables as the vitamin K content can promote clotting and affect the dose of the medication. I eat a whole food plant-based diet with a lot of leafy greens. And my friend likes to tell me that all the vitamin K I consume can lead to a blood clot. I know he's wrong, but I would like to be able to explain to him why he's wrong. Well, the, um, the vitamin K does affect the uh, metabolism of the blood thinner medicine. And we're, we're talking specifically about Coumadin, Warfarin, Warfarin Coumadin. But um, the good news is, is the newer, uh, newer um, blood thinning medications, for instance, uh, Eliquis is an example of one of the newer medications. They don't have the same sort of competitive uh, situation or meta metabolic um, uh, pr problem with vitamin K. So, uh, but but also, I mean, you know, plant based food and and greens are so important for our health that you you want to basically stay on a routine diet of these greens. And you want to, uh, if you're on Coumadin, the problem with Coumadin is that you're always having to go and you're always having to monitor your current level of being uh, thinned out, uh, the INR, they call it. So um, Coumadin is problematic because the lethal dose and the uh, is so close to the dose of being not coagulated enough. So it's really, it takes a lot of monitoring. And uh, although the medicine itself is cheaper than things like Eliquis and these newer medications, that the monitoring and that kind of thing is such, so problematic that many patients are opting to get over to these other newer medications. Uh, and so, but if you can't get off of warfarin and, um, and you still want to eat your vegan diet, eat greens, and all you want is that you want to stay on a steady dose of those uh, greens so that you can get your testing and have them adjust the warfarin dose appropriately. Uh, so this is this is a, a tragedy, basically. Like this is this is another thing where the uh, doctors were uh, the idea of like, oh, food doesn't matter, or you know, you can eat whatever you want to just monitor your calories. This, this is this is another tragedy, you know, placed upon the plant-based community. And this is the idea of that having to be blood thin and to avoid greens. That's just ridiculous. You want to eat the greens and just tell your doctor and, and they monitor your dose, basically. So if I hear you correctly, you want to adjust your medicine to the diet, not the diet to the medicine. That's great. Oh my gosh. Couldn't put it better myself. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, this is from Bonnie. Please ask Dr. Scott Harrington to talk about I don't know what this is, Trenant Transform, which claims to turn glucose into fiber and therefore helps lower blood sugar and help with weight loss. Uh, it is a weight loss question. Mm. Let me see All if right. I can Google it. I don't think, or you yeah. can Google it too. I've never heard of it. Trenant, um, I could send you questions in advance too, if you if you like. Trenant Transform? Trenant Transform, here it is. I found it. 
Trinatra. Oh, it's a, it's a, looks like a supplement, $65, reduces glucose spikes from food to help improve metabolism, reduces brain fog, may help, may help regulate weight management, blah, 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 blah. So let's see what's in it. Hmm. They might be talking about a carbos, which is like a, which helps control blood sugar. It's a, um, it, it, it like blocks, um, blocks the breakdown of carbohydrates in the, um, in the GI tract. And so I am seeing a lot of like, you know, a keto type foods, you know, and they're saying, oh, we've got a carbos in it, uh, to, to block, you know, carb, uh, absorb, you know, metabolism. And so what's interesting is that you can get these same, uh, you can get things that block, uh, the glucose, um, breakdown and everything through berries, believe it or not, berries are one of the things that kind of um, help to slow down. I believe it's amylase's enzymatic uh, breakdown of of carbs into sugar, and uh, so you can you can actually decrease the rate of absorption of things just by eating a healthy dose of berries with your meals. Yeah, I mean, do you think this has been tested scientifically? It says it transforms your blood glucose. It's some kind of enzyme. They're saying. Um, yeah, so I, I it's probably, I, I'm not, I, I don't know for sure, but it's probably a carbos, uh, if I had to guess, okay. inhibition alpha glucosidase inhibits activity of alpha glucosidase enzymes in the small intestines. So they make them less effective at breaking down, uh, carbs into simple sugars. Uh, that's, um, straight off of chat GPT. <laughs> So, um, but, uh, ba basically, uh, the, these are enzyme inhibitors that, uh, um, but you can get these same things from the plant-based world, uh, and not have to pay $60 a month that for, for the, uh, for the, for that, uh, for that, uh, supplement. Absolutely. Thank you. Next question is from Vanessa. And she says, um, that, her B12, her doctor said her B12 is extremely high and not to take any more supplements. I'm not sure what that means. Her second question is her A1C was 5.8 um, and puts her in the category of pre-diabetic. She's on two meds for hypertension, but her numbers aren't going down. Maybe she wants to have a virtual appointment with you. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I do joke around that, you know, if I'm vegan and I have any medical problems, I get all upset. Like what the heck, you know, it's just supposed to, you know, supposed to be perfect on my, uh, on my health parameters, but, um, I have vegans who still have high blood pressure. I have, I have vegans who still have prediabetes. And so if your, if your hemoglobin A1C, the long-term blood sugar test is over 5.7, that, uh, gets you a little bit worried that, cause you have, you're in the pre-diabetic range, your blood sugar is a little bit up. So, um, when I have patients in this, uh, with this situation, we talk, uh, there are two different things. They're kind of two different things, but same solution, basically for, for prediabetes and weight, it's, you know, plant-based diet, low calorie foods, high fiber foods for blood pressure, same thing, except also really focus on blood, uh, salt and, uh, making sure you're having a lot of high nitrate greens, dilate the arteries. And so, um, that, that's basically what, one of the things we would go over in, in, in a visit, uh, we, you know, go over that. This is one of the things that makes me feel like I'm wearing a tinfoil hat, it, but for nitrates is the idea of avoiding mouthwash. So just brushing your teeth, but, uh, not disrupting the microbiome of your mouth with, uh, with like Listerine and scope and that kind of thing, because there's an enzyme that breaks down, uh, those high nitrates from the greens and into nitrite, it gets into your stomach acid, turns into nitric oxide, which is absorbed to help dilate your arteries. And as for over 50, where you want to get that stuff from your diet, because you're, you're producing less and less of this dilating chemical. Thank you. Uh, Tamara wants to know about some numbers. She's 54, plant-based four years, B12 is normal range, 680, hemoglobin normal, 13.2, HCT normal, 38.3. But her ferritin is always low at seven, normal being 16 to 100. Should she be concerned? Any recommendations to boost that number? She's healthy and not feeling tired or anemic in any way. I actually heard from some of the doctors on this show, like Dr. Rogers, is it's better to have lower iron. 
I know, I know. And this is actually a very common thing. You know, most of my vegan patients were uh, low, low on the ferritin. Um, and, and so then it becomes, man, is this a problem? And so, yeah, so first I try to figure out, is it problematic? Or is the patient experiencing um, issues about being iron deficient? And so if they, you know, one of the things people complain about is like hair loss or hair, hair thinning and, 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 one of the only things that's a thyroid and, and, and iron is like some of the only things that are kind of really clear and have a good test for. So um, if there's complaints about hair loss, then that's something that we could try to get up and mo monitor it. Uh, I, I, the problem with iron is iron is toxic and iron is one of the uh, supplements that has been associated with poisoning deaths of children. And so it, it has, it's notorious, you know, it's toxic to the body if, if, and it causes upset stomach and it causes constipation. And so iron is not for the weak at heart when you're taking iron supplements. Uh, so uh, I recommend these uh, plant-based ones that like Flora Dix or uh, Flora Vital brand. Uh, they're usually well tolerated. There's a mega food blood builder is another brand that has uh, some iron supplements interesting because the toxic aspect of iron is good to take it every other day uh, you get about the same absorption by taking it every other day because the body puts up less uh of a sort of absorption blockade uh, against it uh, so uh it's now gold standard to do dosing every other day so i i you know if you if you're that low that is pretty low ferritin and if you are having uh fatigue or vague symptoms uh, it, it might be reasonable to do uh, some supplementation and retest. Uh, it can take a long time. It could take, you know, eight to 12 weeks to, to see a dramatic change. And so I, I think it's reasonable. Now, some people will have things called like restless leg syndrome, where you have iron deficiency at night, where you, your legs kind of move around and you, you don't, you can't get comfortable and you feel kind of like irritated or itchy. And, and so this can be associated with low ferritin and and so, so once again, I'm looking for reasons why that they may need to get it up a little higher. Um, but uh, most people have no problems at over 20, but uh, the restless leg experts recommend ferritin of 70, but I think that's way too high. I, I, many of my patients aren't uh, at that high of ferritin. Great. Well, thank you for that. Okay. This is... Uh... Victoria, she said, how are omega-3s checked? I asked my doctor to check it in my next blood workup and told there wasn't a specific test for omega-3s. The lipid profile would be evaluated. Diets high in omega-3s can increase HDL and decrease LDL. Would you explain? Um, it, it's called a fatty acid profile and it's just a regular, a person could just walk into Quest by themselves or LabCorp and get it. It doesn't even need a doctor's order. Yeah, and there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of different tests. Uh, the kind of the one that I'm most familiar with is the omega three index, and uh, that's through Quest or Quest affiliated uh, labs. Um, and so that that's the one I recommend there. And the reason why I recommend it is it's kind of these nutritional tests that are based on the membrane of the cell are kind of nice because it's a ninety day average, ninety to one hundred twenty day average. And so yeah, so I, I really like the omega three index. Um, and the, the lab core version or, or other versions that have, um, serum omega-3, you know, it, it, it that could kind of uh, fluctuate a little bit more, I mean, or much more. And so, uh, make sure you are comparing apples to apples and orange to oranges so that if you are omega-3 test is kind of like a supplement test, let's be honest, like, because you get the test and then you know, a lot of times you'll see that, oh my gosh, it's low. Well, what do I do? Well, you supplement and then you retest to see if you're making a change in the, in the omega-3s. And so, um, yeah, it, it depends on which lab you're using. Um, uh, the doctor, when they go to order, if uh, you, whether you're getting the serum-based omega-3 or you're getting the, um, the membrane, the cell membrane-based omega-3, omega-3 index. And that's the one I recommend. Uh, nice. Well, thank you. This question is from Judy. It is 
Do you think that elevated protein in the urine, albumin, and creatinine are concerning in the absence of other clinical symptoms such as diabetes or kidney disease? And is there any correlation with weight loss in a vegan SOS-free diet? Well, protein in the urine, uh, also known as proteinuria, is problematic. You know, your body should not, your filter of your kidneys should not be letting protein out basically. Uh, and so uh, there, uh, there is a test for urinary protein, the standard urine test, urinalysis, a urine dipstick can uh, test and they'll say plus one or plus two or plus three proteinuria. And, uh, but the problem is if it gets as high as plus one, uh, that is pretty significant proteinuria. Normally we're monitoring patients who are diabetic to uh, as their as their kidneys get have issues over time, uh, and we monitor them at least once a year with something called a microalbumin uh, test, which is even more sensitive than the urine dipsticks. And so, if you're diabetic, you should be getting these tests. Um, now, if you're not diabetic and they don't know what's going on, why you're having protein in the urine, this is problematic, and. Uh, a little bit of protein, a little bit of protein every night. Sometimes people will do like intense exercise or they'll do something that vibrates their body a lot, or they'll, you know, be in some roller coaster or something. And then they get labs like the next day and they can have some, some transient protein area, but you want to follow that up. You want to make sure that it's not persistent because if it's persistent then there's something wrong with your kidney filter and you should, it's, um, maybe it's a harbinger of something to happen in the future. You want to make sure you don't have kidney disease or this kind of thing. So yeah, transient protein area that goes away is much less concerning, but, uh, persistent protein area is, is something you want to work up. Um, if the doctors work it up and they never figure it out and they rule out a lot of bad things, then you can kind of live with protein area, mild protein area, but you want to, you want to see if it's potentially reversible. Thank you. Uh, Melissa says, can you talk about hormones and headaches? I'm a 55 year old female still getting regular periods, but suffer from terrible headaches, sometimes migraines about five to six times per month. I've been eating whole food plant-based over four years. Is there a benefit to having hormone levels checked? And could that be a cause of the headaches? I don't really associate these these things uh, closely. I mean, I know that people during kind of premenstrual syndrome, people talk about kind of have it as uh, prostaglandins rise in the system. Uh, you can have more headaches, and so you you can have uh, you know month, uh, hormonally mediated headaches. Um, but uh, if if these are pretty standard and uh, they are kind of coming throughout the month. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think that it's associated necessarily with like a, a, a premenopause or a menopause on coming on. Honestly, I, I would start looking for other reasons why people are having headaches or people are having chronic headaches. The number one thing that I always look for, well, after we rule out like blood pressure problems is I look in times into people's sleep. So one thing that's very common in this country is sleep apnea and people snoring and then not getting good sleep and um, holding their breath all night, basically. So uh, if, 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 so I would start asking people around you like, Hey, do I snore at night? Or do you wake up in the morning with a, um, a sore throat? Uh, do you feel like you're not rested? Um, because certainly, you know, the, the brain basically cleans out it does this housekeeping at night and people have dramatic headaches if if that is a problem um now this question about hormones and stuff i mean you know i don't routinely recommend people who are uh postmenopausal go on to hormone replacement therapy i don't recommend that as a routine uh recommendation so i don't recommend following hormone testing uh in general, in general, I mean, there may be reasons why people want to know. And if people want to know, I'm willing to test. Uh, but uh, uh, in terms of postmenopausal hormone therapy, I, my sort of go-to is recommend is vaginal estrogen, low dose vaginal estrogen to avoid vaginal atrophy and the UTIs that can accommodate that, uh, accompany that. 
that's kind of the way I, um, I approach it. But uh, each patient is, is individual and, and we work with them uh, with, with, with their individual situation. Yeah. I wonder if she'd ever consider a water fast because there was a, a patient there that had like a migraine for seven years and the water fast is what helped her. Totally reasonable option. I mean, worth a try. I mean, my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Okay, we got another question here. We get so many for you, Dr. Harrington. This is from Marsha. I do not have a thyroid for 35 years and I take Armour Thyroid. I have GERD. What is the best diet for hypothyroidism? Well, if you've been taking uh, your thyroid for 35 years, well, it depends on if you have a thyroid uh, thyroidectomy. Uh, you know, if you have no thyroid at all, then you have to take the thyroid medication, uh, no matter what your diet is, I guess you could say. Um, this kind of brings up the idea of people, thyroid is a part of kind of blood test screening that people do. And uh, you'll oftentimes, if a patient is complaining of fatigue or some other kind of vague concern, hair loss, like we mentioned before, like thyroid is tested. And if your thyroid is a little off, the doctor will come to you and say, I've got a medicine for you. I've got something that will help you lose weight and will make you feel less fatigued and make you have less brain fog. And they kind of sell uh, the thyroid hormone as kind of a panacea. And it is to people who have like really low thyroids. But um, in this sort of gray area where you have a mild uh, abnormality with the, the thyroid, people get started on this uh, thyroid medication a lot. So 40% of people are basically inappropriately started on thyroid medicine. And it's a lifelong treatment because when do you decide to come off your thyroid medicine and test the waters? Coming off the thyroid medicine could really throw you into a tailspin if, you, if your thyroid is burnt out and not producing thyroid. So if patients decide that they want to come off thyroid medications, we want to follow their thyroid closely and make sure they... Uh, don't just go without thyroid medicine. You don't want to be, if you really need thyroid, you don't want to be on a desert island without your thyroid medicine. It can be a deadly situation, but it takes a long time to um, for uh, for the, the problems to manifest. Um, so I know this is a long story, but the patient mentions like, what's the best diet for, uh, for my thyroid? So the best diet for all conditions basically is a plant-based diet, but the, what you're talking about might be around iodine. So uh, in a similar way, uh, iron is the element that's in hemoglobin molecule that carries your oxygen in the blood. And so in the thyroid hormone, iodine is the element that's inside the thyroid hormone. And so it's important to make sure you're getting sources of iodine. You need a, about 150 micrograms per day. And you can get that through sea vegetables like nori and, and vegan sushi and wakame and like the miso soup type stuff and the uh, seaweed salads. I recommend it about twice a week to consume some of these sea vegetables. Uh, but if you are taking thyroid hormone, you're already getting preformed thyroid hormone that contains iodine in it and it becomes much less of sort of a dietary concern for you. Um, and, and so the best diet overall is always a plant-based low fat, plant-based diet is to make you feel better for all sorts of other reasons. But if you're taking uh, thyroid for a um, for an injured thyroid that doesn't produce thyroid hormone, then you're, you're um, kind of, you're covered basically. There's a, the, the, the one that person is taking, that's from an animal product. So if somebody- that is from an animal vegan, product. So I mean, I does, do they have to take that one? Is there a synthetic one no. for people that are are more concerned about animals could take? Yes, absolutely. There's uh, there's levothyroxine, which is not produced from animals, and uh, and leotherinine, which is T3. But um, many immunoendocrinologists recommend just taking the good old levothyroxine, which is uh, um, kind of like which a brand name Synthroid or uh, generic levothyroxine, which is you don't have to take the um, Armour Thyroid. So. People take this. Why is that even recommended then? I mean, why would people want to take one from an animal? That sounds creepy and gross. I know it sounds gross and it sounds nasty. And the other thing is that there in the past have been wide uh, changes with, um, with supply. And so people who are taking the natural thyroid hormone, oftentimes, 
you know, are having to switch brands like Armour Thyroid, Nature Thyroid, um, Desiccated Thyroid because of uh, supply issues. And so that that's why I tend to recommend not only for the animal purposes, but just the, the uh, supply and the um, the uh, where you have the same same type of product, well controlled product uh, uh, is is more of a synthetic product, honestly, um, the, the levothyroxine. Yep. Thank you. Uh, this is from Amy. Uh, her daughter started birth control and. She's hoping to have an IUD, but her question is for the four and a half months she was on birth control pills, could she see any damage to her pituitary gland or other parts of her reproductive system from extra estrogen and progesterone from the pill? And if so, are there suggestions on how to detox from that? Well, the good news is that, uh, no, I don't, I don't think you have to worry about that as a problem uh, per se, because um, birth control pills do raise the estrogen, raise kind of the average estrogen over the whole monthly cycle. So, um, and, and in that way, having a steady estrogen dose, it, it fools the pituitary gland, the brain into thinking that you are basically pregnant and you're not going to have an escalation of estrogen that you get in the middle of your, of the cycle. This escalation of estrogen triggers the luteinizing hormone, the, the LH surge, which pops out an egg. Um, so uh, by having this steady estrogen, uh, it, you don't ever get the LH surge. But what happens after that LH surge? Well, um, the uh, corpus luteum, the what's left over of where the, the egg came out of the ovary, continues to produce estrogen and progesterone at a high dose they're trying to get the uh, the uterus, the baby home ready to implant an egg. So at the last half of the monthly cycle, your estrogen and progesterone is a lot higher than than in the in the first part. So believe it or not, taking birth control pills in the beginning half is higher than what it would be. But in the end half of the of the week of of the month, um, it's it's lower. And so, you don't have to worry that you have been uh, sort of subjected to a tremendous uh, dose of estrogen or progesterone, and you don't have to necessarily worry about detoxification in this scenario. So, um, you know, birth control pills are very safe and are a great option for um, controlling your fertility and, and having that freedom. Thanks. This is funny because we always tell people in our newsletter, which if you sign up at chefaj.com, you get priority on your questions and we tell you who's going to be on. And we say, if you want to be anonymous, let us know in the first line. And it says, please keep this unanimous. So I'm going to <laughs> keep this one unanimous. Nice. And it's about, uh, it says, Dr. Harrington, what can I do about having low arachidonic acid? My level is at 2.1, while my AA over EPA ratio is high at 0.3. Is this something to worry about? I've been whole food plant-based for four years. You know, I, I'm a little confused. You know, arachidonic acid is, is problematic uh, in terms of that is part of the prostaglandin pathway of inflammation. And so you don't want to have elevated arachidonic acid by any means. And, and uh, but this is what I believe to be an omega-3 type question. And, uh, and, and so we can kind of talk about sort of this omega-3, omega-6 ratio. Uh, and, you know, basically you can stay away from arachidonic acid by staying away from animal products, which are much higher than this ar arachidonic acid from, um, from the diet. But in, in terms of you're wanting to have a good omega-3, omega-6 ratio, omega-6 always dominates because it's just more in, in more foods. But, uh, you know, in, in, uh, evolutionary times, I guess, you know, hunter gatherer times or something, or it was thought that our omega-3 ratios were a little bit more favorable than they are compared to a modern diet. And so you want to make sure that you're getting ground flax and chia and hemp and eating, you know, maybe a small amount of walnuts. Um, if you're, if you're looking to try to get more omega-3s uh, from a plant-based world, it's also in greens. And if you can keep your Oh, vegetable oils and uh, seed oils down, which contain a lot of omega-6s, maybe you can get that uh, ratio 
uh, more normalized on, on the plant-based diet. So avoid animal products and avoid omega-6s to help normalize your omega-3, omega-6 ratio. Right. Thanks. Um, if, if you have time, we'll just take a quick one from the chat. Guys, we always uh, do the pre-submitted ones first, so that's the best way to get it, your question asked. But right. there was a question from Florence. Do antidepressants cause restless leg syndrome? Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, I actually uh, Googled it, and, and there was one called, I can't remember, Remeron that said it could. Just I just uh, Googled it. So. Well, I mean, as we talked about, iron deficiency is a big one. And uh, yeah, like I'm pulling this up just because, I mean, there are serotonin syndromes where, you know, you're taking serotonin reuptake inhibitors that so makes the serotonin go up. But I, I'm not sure if, I'm not sure about that association. Um, it says certain ones may be associated with increased risk of restless leg syndrome. I believe that the, the, the um, they're dopamine related, um, Syndrome, uh, dopamine deficiency. Uh, well, I, I mean, I believe that the treatments are are uh, have re have rel uh, relationship with dopamine. But the main thing that you want to deal with is you want to check your iron to make sure there's not a reversible cause for the uh, the rest rest uh, restless leg syndrome. And uh, so that's what I would get checked first. There are medications that uh, treat. Uh, restless leg syndrome. They're related to dopamine and, um, and not necessarily related to the SSRIs, the serotonin medications. Thank you. One of the viewers, since we were talking about it, um, it's, what are the side effects of omega-3 deficiency? Dr. McDougall says it's never happened. Like you can't, he does, he's done a lot of talks on this channel about you can't be too low. I know, I know. And uh, I mean, I, I'm so impressed with Dr. McDougall because, you know, he's kind of said the same things for 40 years and he's always right. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, th there's, this is a hot debate, uh, you know, about the omega threes and uh, the, there are, I guess what's more problematic is if you're uh, too high in omega threes, like what if some of the supplement testing found, and that's a higher rate of atrial fibrillation. So uh, like in one placebo controlled trial, uh, the, the placebo had a rate of 2% of, of the patients uh, had started to get atrial fibrillation in the time period that it was tested. And then on the omega-3 uh, leg they, or arm, they had um, 3%. So a slight increased risk for atrial fibrillation. High dose omega-3s put you a little bit risk for uh, bleeding complications. Like if you're in a tra trauma, and uh, you hit your head and you, you could have bleeding inside your head, uh, you know, th those bleeding kind of complications. Um, but uh, having low omega-3s in, in observational studies are associated with things like premature delivery. And, um, you, you know, you hear stories of um, having higher cardiac, putting people in higher cardiac uh, risk category. That's sort of one of the most standard um, concerns about omega-3. There's also a concern about brain shrinkage uh, in terms of people that are low in omega-3s having more of this uh, age-related brain shrinkage. However, the studies are kind of mixed and uh, low powered. And so the debate rages. The debate rages. Uh, some doctors recommend a low dose omega-3 250 milligrams of omega-3. However, then there's also been debates that that's not a high enough dose to actually do anything or make a difference. And so um, uh, it is it is reasonable if you're interested in knowing omega-3 to do a testing with omega-3 index and uh, treat to get over 5%. This is what Dr. Furman recommends. And and uh, Dr. Dr. McDougall doesn't agree and uh, uh, the debate rages. Yep, uh, so but you can eat more greens unless you're, <laughs> unless you're on that medicine at the beginning. <laughs> that you're uh, yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, you have a very happy holiday season. I hope you do something fun. All right. Yes, I will. And you too, uh, Chef AJ. And thanks once again for having me on. I feel super lucky always yeah. to be here. And yeah. uh, it's always fun. You always have an interesting topic. So thank you. All right. All right. Well, you take care. 
Thank you. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow for two shows. At 9 a.m., we have our regular The Doctor Is In. It's a Q&A with Dr. Ron Weiss. But at 11 o'clock, we have Dr. John Scharfenberg, who will be selling his, celebrating his 100th birthday. And he's also going to be talking about weight loss. So we have to see what a 100-year-old thinks about weight loss, Dr. Harrington. My God, that's great. I'm so happy. That's awesome. Yeah, we had a we had a birthday party for him because he's he's out of town now, but we had it and Dr. Goldhammer came and Dr. Lyle and Dr. Neil Nedley, all you know, the plant-based doctors that live here. And guys, he, he drives a red sports car at night. He's a hundred years old. <laughs> That's I mean, awesome. we, we all should be as healthy as him. So thank you so much again, Dr. Harrington. I love oh, hearing from you. Thank you. All right. Take care, everyone. Hope to see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>